what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thanks for listening. I'm here with John Cox. He is the VP of Engineering for Angel MD. And uh, John, thanks for making the time, buddy. Yeah, sure. Happy to be here. We've got a, a guest listener live, Tyler Sparks, here. So this is uh, pretty cool. I like the chain of coincidences that led us to be here. So thanks mm-hmm. for making the time, man. Yeah, yeah. Happy, happy to talk for sure. Yeah. So. Um, Take me through what Angel MD is. We were talking about it off air a bit. I want to yeah, get that yeah. down. Angel MD is a platform that connects physicians with early stage medical startups. Um, the intention there is that you should end up with the best possible innovation as fast as possible through that process and also create better investment opportunities in those early stage startups. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I was talking about the coincidence how we met. We were having lunch last week and then at uh, Comida, which I think is closing. I don't know if you heard that. Is it really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. It's good food. Yeah. It was really good food. <laughs> <laughs> so a friend of a friend was sitting over there and then uh, he said, we're having lunch with the Angel MD guys. And I remembered you from sea level at Mile High. And then I didn't want to tackle you while you're having a coffee. So it's like, hits <laughs> you up later. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kind of, kind of fun, uh, fun chain of circumstances. Yeah, and then you actually worked with Tyler at a previous gig, so mm-hmm. that was that was small world, man. Denver Tech is pretty small. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of nice actually. So, um, Angel MD. So you're connecting early stage medical. So, I guess what are you guys looking for in terms of what's going to make the, the cut, make the grade to get through? You know, there's several factors that go into sort of things that we look for, but, and and those range from, you know, just where you are in medical trials or clinical trials, um, you know, how engaged you are with your audience on our platform and otherwise, that kind of thing. At, all of sort of the factors that you look at for investing in a company, right? Those are the types of things that we would look for. But honestly, ultimately, it shouldn't be about what Angel MD is looking for. Um, ultimately, it should be what is the community looking for? Um, what is the market at large looking for? You know, if you have an expert in, for instance, cardiology, looking at a startup that has some sort of a medical device that is going to aid in heart surgery. The cardiologist should know best if that's a good bet. And if we sort of aggregate that over a larger and larger crowd um, and expand that beyond just sort of the clinical application, but into more of the business factors, the market and the hurdles that they have to clear from a regulatory standpoint, all those kinds of good things. Um, you ultimately should be able to discern what the best bets are to place through the community. Should. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's not necessarily a, a question or an answer looking for a question out there, right? Yeah, that's, that's hopefully you should be, finding solutions to real problems 
um, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Something you had said when we were <clears throat> talking before is you had mentioned, um, as an engineer, right. <clears throat> and this spoke to me as a recovering engineer that you talked about <laughs> code as craft. Yeah. <clears throat> and even though I don't write code anymore, like I still think about the, the elegance in mm -hmm. it. And, you know, I thought that was just a, a brilliant phrase code as craft. And what, what does that mean? And what does that mean to you? Kind of implies a lot. Um, for me, for me, writing code is not necessarily a technical ex exercise. Yeah, you have to have some logical way of thinking through things, like in a, in a technical way, and you need to know syntax. Like those are sort of table stakes things. But to me, writing code is a creative task. To me, writing code is as much art as it is science. Um, so in that regard, it's a craft. The other sort of side to that phrase is that, to me, craft implies like a devotion to excellence. Um, we actually just had a great conversation as a team yesterday around uh, the latest episode of a podcast called Chasing Excellence, which is from a guy named Ben Bergeron, who is a former investment banker turned CrossFit coach, and he coaches the best of the best, like crazy strong fit athletes that are at the top at the pinnacle of human performance. Right. Um, and everything about and basically the subject matter of that particular episode was defining that phrase chasing excellence. Um, and we had a great team discussion around that. And, you know, the idea is ultimately that if we approach code as a craft, if we approach our business as a craft, ultimately that's going to be an emotional investment um, it will, it should for the right type of person bring out the best, right? Somebody who's driven by challenge, someone who pursues excellence, you know, in everything they do and pursues learning, you know, in every step along the way, right? So regardless, you, you don't ever fail, right? You just learn. Um, so that's kind of the, the mentality there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the, uh, if the culture supports that in mm -hmm. terms of that, there's no failing, right. You right. learn. And right. I remember some example I read where, um, I'll just say Henry Ford. That's probably not the executive, <laughs> but this guy had made a hundred thousand dollar mistake. And then somebody had asked Ford if he was going to fire this guy. And he's like, no, that's a hundred thousand dollar investment that I'm not ever going to have to worry about that mistake again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of truth in that. Um, you know, I, it's kind of one of those things too, where you, you, you try to make errors of commission rather than omission. Um, and to me, those are noble, like, yeah, do that, do that all day long. Don't do it until we run it into the ground. But, you know, as long as you got your heart in the right place and you're, you know, learning from everything you've done, keep going. So how would you build that into a culture where the developers and then the, like the organization, everybody through, how would you build that support into like that? Like you can make a mistake. It's okay. Mm -hmm. How would you build that into a, a company or how are you building that into this? Yeah. That, trying, right. Um, the starting point for me is hiring adults. <laughs> Um, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's, there's obviously much, much more to it than that, but you know, I, 
for me personally, right? When, when I'm hiring folks onto, onto a team with me, you know, A, I'm going to be up to my elbows in it with you, right? I'm not, I'm not a manager, you know, I am a doer and that's where I find a lot of, um, satisfaction in my job and a leader, and it, hopefully, right? I'd, do my best to, to be the best leader I can be in that situation. But I always tell people when I'm hiring them into a, into a team with me is that you can assume that you get a gold star every single day unless we have to have a conversation otherwise. Like you can assume that you are a complete rock star, um, that you are just crushing it every single day. And I do my best to articulate that also, honestly, I'm not that good at reminding myself to do it. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is if, if people want to be a part of that as they're coming into a team and they hear that coming into it, they're the right people because they're driven by challenge. They're confident with, with their craft. Um, they're open to learning. Um, you know, and I'm open to definitely teaching and allowing people to get the bumps and bruises that are going to ultimately make them better. You know, I had um, I had a job with an agency that is now several acquisitions and conglomerations away. Um, I spent about four years there, um, and I always tell people within that four years, I got four college degrees because I was given the freedom and the trust to do what was necessary to get my job done to trip and fall, pick myself back up, correct my mistakes, learn from others around me, learn from those above me who had been there before. Um, and I came out, you know, on the other end of that experience so much better and so much more capable for any other employer that had me after that point. Um, and I'm super thankful for that experience. It wasn't all awesome. Um, but usually being challenged isn't awesome, but that's where you grow. You know, there was a lot of awesome too, by the way, but, um, <laughs> certainly the, the end result was the best part of it all. Um, so that's kind of the, that's the culture that I try to create. I want, I want people to come out of this better. You know, if they, if everybody on my team retires from this team, that's fantastic. That is in no way realistic, right? You know, so I just want to make sure that they're getting the most out of this experience, you know, and it's not just me trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip until they're dry. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I've often heard it say you, it, the best leaders, they legislate the what, but not the how. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Um, as much as I see writing code as being creative, I want others to experience that as well. So I don't want it to be my creativity that's done, you know, that's executed at the end of the day. Um, and certainly I, and I think everybody on the team would agree to this, you know, enjoy everybody just sitting around on the couch with a whiteboard and coming up with all the different solutions to a pretty big challenge, you know, and figuring out what's going to be, you know, the best approach, the best balance between all the factors that we have, you know, that dictate what a solution should be. That's one thing I miss about engineering is the front-end design and the, the whiteboarding and the conceptual part. And mm -hmm. I learned through uh, a lot of self-discovery that my personality type is not good for an engineer. Like I'm, I would be good as a design person, like a skunk works person. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I often think if I wasn't in medical software, 
So with all the testing and all the regulation and oh, yeah. the documentation that if I could still just come up with ideas and then hand them to people to execute, yeah. I would probably still be doing it. Or if I was in more like IT coding, mm-hmm. I, I miss that. It's kind of like just pulling things, just it's creation, right? It's mm-hmm. something out of nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I graduated college to become an aerospace engineer. Um, and I spent the first year of my career you know, pursuing that my first year out of college pursuing that. Um, but what I realized pretty quickly with that pursuit for me is that it is same, similar to what you just articulated. It's not, it wasn't for me necessarily because it wasn't big picture enough. Like I wanted to be able to, without having to invest 25 years of my life, I wanted to be able to design the big picture, um, or be a part of that at least. Um, and that wasn't going to be an opportunity I was going to have in that field, at least not the way I was pursuing it. Um, so I, I jumped into into software development and definitely scratched that itch for me. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Texas A&M University. <clears throat> Gigamaggies. <laughs> <laughs> when would you move to Colorado? As soon as I possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> You don't yeah. miss 95 degree summers and 100% no. humidity? I, you know, I I have a lot of love for Texas. I grew up there. Fantastic, I like it too. Fantastic culture. Yeah. Like, love the food, love the people. Um, I like the geography of Colorado a lot more than I like the geography of Texas. And I like, you know, the people in a different way, certainly, um, in Colorado. Um, but no, I, I moved up to Colorado in January of 2001. Um, I moved away for, for a time to Arkansas, but then I came back. So happy to be here now. Yeah. Well, one thing that engineering had taught me was sort of an eye for the details, even though I struggle with them. Mm-hmm. And I still, <clears throat> one of my favorite, uh, subreddits is like crappy design. Oh yeah. And seeing that. And, and it also taught me the difference between, like you said, an artist mm-hmm. and a hack mm. and like Photoshop and illustrator, like I'm a hack. I can make, I can, <laughs> I can relate to that. I'm a manipulator. I can put pieces together. Sure. Something out of nothing in that particular um, program is not very good, but I can still see bad design. Mm-hmm. And I think back to some code that I had seen. I was like, this is just ugly. Mm-hmm. It's lazy. And it, you know, another 30 minutes and this could have been something, but yeah. now it's just a steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's lots of code like that. Um, it's certainly, you know, it's funny too, as I mature, um, uh, definitely the attention to detail and the get it done right the first time, um, mentality has definitely become more and more important to me. And now that I have a 13, almost 14 year old son, um, trying to ingrain that in him is, is, is a great challenge. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because he's just like me, um, you know, or at least the way I was at that age, for sure. Um, it's a maturity thing, but, um, definitely, uh, as a consultant in particular, um, when you go from client to client, um, and you're dealing with, a lot of code written by people that weren't paying attention to detail and were simply 
you know, doing exactly what they were told to do rather than what was the right thing to do. Um, and trying to correct those things and make it right, um, and make it shiny on the inside, you know, like an Apple device or whatever. Um, it's been great experience. Those are, those are great bumps and bruises to get is to deal with other people steaming piles of garbage. Um, I'm not saying it's enjoyable, but it is fruitful. (laughs) So here... So I'll, I'll relay a story about me and my dad. So he was in uh, pharmaceutical sales for Pfizer. He was an army officer. And so very structured, very attention to detail. And I remember being a little bit older than your son mm-hmm. and just, and if my dad listens to this, like I apologize for this. I remember sort of outright sort of mocking his day planner and the notes and things like that because I was the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> no, right? Of course you were. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember this thinking that I, I put a post-it note on my steering wheel blank mm-hmm. to remind me of something. And I get in the car that next morning and I'm like, what was that? Like I totally forgot right, it. Right? right. And so, um, if, me and my dad could teleport from that moment to how my day and my life is structured now. <clears throat> I it's, it's night and day, but I had to go through the, the pain of, mm-hmm. Oh, forgetting a computer for a podcast or, Oh, I left my microphone. Yeah. Whatever the, the mistakes are like I learned and had severe penalties for failure. Yeah. And I hate getting organized, but I hate looking for stuff more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to pay that time penalty. Right. No matter what. Right. And one puts me at peace and one puts me into panic. Mm-hmm. And so good luck with your son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the good news for him is that I've been there. Um, yeah. I can relate to his situation. So I can hopefully have some grace in that situation, um, you know, with without letting him get away with so much that he doesn't end up okay on the other side. <laughs> So how would you coach somebody that is um, a talented performer but doesn't necessarily have that um, artistic quality that you're looking for? You, you see the raw talent. How would you polish that? Um, I guess maybe qualify that a little bit. Like from your perspective, what is the what aspect of the artistry are we talking about? I can, I can put a further point on that. Maybe there's, uh, going back to myself as mm-hmm. being younger with uh, an ego problem, mm-hmm. like satisfying that, that ego, thinking that I was perfect and sure. that, okay. you know, I couldn't handle direction. Yeah. Um, that's a hard one, the ego one in particular, um, because a lot of times, um, I mean, I mean, for me personally, personal experience, right, is that age ultimately cures that, <laughs> right? Uh, you kind of mellow as you go and you realize that you you didn't know it all back then. Um, but I think beyond that, just um, acknowledging that some, that there is, there aren't necessarily stupid ideas, you know, and that if it's a valid solution, like, yeah, sure, that's a valid solution. Um, you know, help me to understand why you thought through it that way, right, is a big part of that. Um, 
But then beyond that, it's, you know, well, let's talk about, you know, what are the, let's talk through three other ways that we could maybe solve this, that we can compare and contrast at least what the, what the cost benefits are, you know, like costs and benefits are. Um, so that, you know, in, in that, in that approach, I've acknowledged that you're obviously very smart. Um, but I've also helped you to walk through other perspectives. Um, and I think that's the part that comes with maturity is you sort of, you start to see that there are other perspectives and they are valid. Um, you know, and if we can just shine a little bit of a light on that, maybe we can make some progress there. Um, you know, I, I think if you, if, if you're on the team with the right person, that approach works, you know, 99% of the time, whatever. Um, I think with the wrong person, nothing's going to change it but time. And I think you just have to get okay with that at some level, you know, um, and remedy that however you can. It's a tough one, though. It's a good question. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. If you got any questions, Tyler, you can definitely chime in. I'll just repeat them for the, the mic, but yeah. Yeah, the question was about code reviews, and we'll, I'll swing you around. So, yeah, I, I want you to be involved in this. So the question was about code reviews and using it to abuse engineers, and I still remember <laughs> those days standing up and say, kind of defending your life instead of defending your product. Right. Um, so, I mean, my stance is abusing anybody is probably not a good thing. Um, certainly in a public forum is maybe the worst, like humiliating anybody, like humiliating people never want anybody, any friends, right? Um, it might make you feel good about yourself for the moment if you're that type of person. Um, so I think just like level set there specifically around code reviews, like where we've landed as a team here at angel MD, um, is I personally love it. I think it's also maybe a luxury of having a pretty small team. Um, the first sort of the first line of defense in our code reviews is we automate the important, right? So we have linters um, doing, you know, 90% of the work that would be done otherwise in a code review in terms of just making sure that code looks pretty, follows some conventions, isn't, you know, stupid. Um, we do static code analysis too as a part of the build process. So really like the code review is kind of the last step before merge. So there's a, there's a lot of things that are automated before that point, which helps, right? Because that makes anybody better um, without necessarily needing the public humiliation. Um, so that's part one. Um, when it comes to actual peer review, we don't necessarily have a terribly formal process around it. Um, what we do, do make sure of as a team, and again, this is sort of nice because we can just stand up and holler over the desk at somebody and let them know, is everybody on the team has a strength. Um, and we want to make sure that the person that is strongest and most passionate about whatever we just wrote code on, right? Whether it's a back-end story or as a front-end story or a combination of both or a user experience thing or like there's all sorts of aspects to what we do. But we make sure that whoever is going to care the most sees the code. And then we make sure that everybody else 
should at least get a glance at it and be able to put another set of eyes on it for sanity check, but also just for awareness in terms of what code is being merged. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll do a, a formal review where you're leaving comments on the pull request and what have you to kind of make sure that you have a checklist of things to do. But oftentimes it's just like, hey, you know, you did this and it's not really necessarily necessary. Why don't we, you know, get rid of a few lines of code? And you're like, okay, cool. You know, and you push it in, build runs, passes, great, merge, delete, go. Um, so it's pretty informal 99% of the time. Um, there have been occasions where there is either a larger body of work or something that impacts the project more broadly where we make it much more formal. And we're going to order lunch and we're just going to go through it line by line. Not necessarily for the sake of making sure that the logic is right, because the logic should be right if you're writing all your tests correctly and all that kind of good stuff. But mostly so everybody understands how it was done so that when they get to go modify it, they know what they're doing and they're not going to introduce any sort of fragility. So does that answer the question to what you like, what you were, what you were hoping for? Yeah. I mean, I think the part of what you highlighted there is that, when you're saying informal, it's really baked into the culture. Right. Like it's it's a part of the craftsmanship concept. Right. It's like there's there's not this big process around it because this is a part of how the work happens successfully at the end. Right. Right. And you know, um, it's kind of it's kind of funny to me, like code review is kind of like the midpoint of a much broader sort of workflow and system that is has been fantastic for our team. Um, and it's it's one of those things where we had a great opportunity with a greenfield to sort of start from scratch and make sure it was done right um, and be as dogmatic about it as we could, right? And so what we did is we made sure that we had good communication tooling, right? So... Um, we use Pivotal Tracker for tracking all of our stories, um, which kind of has a nice little workflow built into it for communicating, um, you know, sort of asynchronously. Um, we set up one of the very first things that we did before we wrote a line of code other than like Rails New, right, for our backend stuff was we identified build server um, and automated all our builds to where everything gets deployed to stage and production on every single merge into master. Um, and merges into master happen 25 times a day sometimes. Um, and making sure that that process was set up so that, um, so that everything that we do, every, piece of tooling that we employ um, and every line of code that we write should ultimately make us faster and better um, and should definitely not create debt and drag in the system. Um, and that was that's something that we've been very, very passionate about from the beginning. Um, like we celebrate whenever there's a pull request that has more lines deleted than added. Like that is one of the best days when you can make sure that that happens. Um, 
And so like, that's just a part of, that's just a part of the culture that we, that we cultivate, you know, just everyone on the team is way into that. And I think it's because everyone on the team, you know, as I kind of said, they're an adult, they've been doing this long enough and they're passionate about doing it right. That like, this is a breath of fresh air and I want to make sure that it stays that way. And they want to make sure everybody on the team wants to make sure it stays that way for everybody else. You know, um, definitely, um, I've been called out at, you know, points where it was like, Hey, look, we need better test coverage and we're trying to move fast, but it's costing us. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Time out. We're going to take the next three days and make sure that our test coverage is up. Everybody's all hands on deck. That's more important than rolling out new features um, and just cultivating that. So what I have to have our guys do is like break down uh, like a network in terms of an embedded system. So mm. as you're talking about the code, um, this is going to expose my ignorance, but I'm curious. So um, <laughs> You've got, when you said Ruby new, right? That's like your main loop. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. So, so um, just quick overview on architecture for our app, right? Um, uh, We run a Rails backend API. Um, That's on a server. It's, it's, it's the application that's running on the server. Okay. Right. Um, All of this stuff is deployed out to, to AWS, you know, containerized, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so that's our, our backend API. Basically, think of it as data layer. Okay. Um, and then we have our front end app is all written in React, um, all JavaScript. Um, so those two applications are deployed separately, um, but obviously they, they're interacting constantly um, with one another. And then we also have a couple of other projects and code bases that we maintain. One is our infrastructure, which is all done with Terraform. Um, and the other one is our s- sort of new-ish um, serverless infrastructure um, that are just other endpoints that we need to be able to hammer with just a ton of requests, um, you know, possibly all at once, but hitting the same backend database. Um, so, when I was talking about sort of the process of things, when I said I said Rails new, that's just the command that's run whenever you whenever okay. you create a new Rails application, which is our backend API. So like we created the new application, and the first thing we did was create the testing you know, testing and build infrastructure in order to make sure that that app that doesn't do anything yet gets deployed to a server somewhere um, in an automated fashion. Yeah, I'm slowly <laughs> leaving the planet here because I'm trying to just equate this to no, it, like the and stuff that I used to do. Yeah, I was going to say, when you, if you're talking about embedded system you know, type stuff, there's all, it, you would be like automating the process of compiling and I, I think burning it to a chip or whatever, yeah. whatever, the, yeah. whatever you call that process. Exactly. Again, like my ignorance, right? But yeah. um, it, would be, it would be as if you were automating that process. Okay. So that you would be able to essentially write code and say, compile and burn, and then I'm going to continue over here partying on writing new features, and then we'll integrate that with that, you know, at the next. So, and so you're just constantly doing that. Same Got idea. It. So is that, is, are we talking agile here? Mm-hmm. Is that, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a lot a lot of folks talk about being agile shops. Um to me, it would be 
nearly impossible to truly be agile without CI. Um, it is the bedrock for everything. Um, luckily, we got to figure that out before we started this project. Um, but again, bumps and bruises, right? You figure yeah. that out along the way. Well, I think I came from definitely a waterfall world, right? Because right. we've got, you know, you've got the main code and you've got that release that goes out to production. And in our case, it was on a chip and it went into a device. Right. And then now we're working on releases and we can't push that until, you know, the hardware is ready and this, that, and the other. So Yeah, I mean, that's a situation where it has to be perfect before you ship oh, yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, in this world, it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect before you ship it. Um Obviously, you want it to be close, but uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And I mean, Google's proof of that, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of folks are, but um, yeah. I have to do a little software confessional to you guys, so I yeah. still am haunted by this. And this this was probably um, fifteen years ago, I would say, when I was a, an engineer, and we had a little medical device. And it had a knob on the front, and mm -hmm. that would adjust the the wattage to the uh, forceps for bipolar surgery. Okay. And I could not get the interrupt to work close or fast enough so that if you spun that dial too quick, that the hardware signal from the knob mm -hmm. to the processor would not catch up. Mm. And so we had built it as a feature and that you just turned it slowly because it was sort of like micro uh, micro watts coming out of the forceps. But I still think about that occasionally when I see stuff not working correctly. And I am still to this day embarrassed that I did not figure that out, <laughs> that the, that you couldn't turn that thing as fast enough that it would catch up. It still bothers me to this day. Well, you know, in that case, you just wrap a rubber, a rubber band around the shaft so that it can't spin very fast. <laughs> And then you're okay, right? Yeah. Problem solved. Yeah. We were always like, oh, we'll fix it in software. It's like, yeah. Guys, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, it's like saying you're going to fix it in post whenever you're doing audio recording or video recording. Yeah. I mean, odds are you're probably better off to have a better take. Totally agree. Yeah. So in, in your guys' world, in the software development world, um, who what boulder gets pushed downhill? Cause when we were in embedded systems, hardware stuff, software always had to fix it. Is there a boulder that crashes into somebody like, Oh, we'll let them take care of it. Does that happen in your world? Hopefully not. Um, there, I, everything's a trade off, right? Anytime you're designing anything, you're, you're doing trade offs. So we have a rails back end on our, on our, um, application. It's not because Rails <clears throat> is the best tool necessarily for that job. There are many, many tools that would fill that need. We picked Rails because it was going to be quick to market and because scalability um, within that application wasn't going to be a huge concern um, just because our user base isn't like gigantic. Um, so that, that was the trade-off that we made. Um, and right now we're kind of dealing with some of the limitations of that choice by implementing other tooling, right? And I was talking about, we're using serverless for some of the things where we need to just blast the server with a bunch of, of requests. Rails doesn't handle that really well. Um, at least not with the, 
footprint that we have. Um, so, um, I mean, I guess in some regards, th- our own boulders just come back to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just sending them up the hill so they can come back down a little bit later. And you always kind of know which ones those are. Right? Oh, you, you, you know it. But you, hopefully if you're doing it right and you have the experience enough or somebody on the team who has the experience enough, you know what they are before they're headed back down towards you. You know, you, you know what choices you made and what the trade-offs were. Um, you know, outside of that, really, the the only things that kind of get rolled at you sometimes are, I don't want this to come across as a criticism because it's not, um, but a lot of marketing requests are, you know, jump 10 feet high yesterday. Um, <laughs> and being able to deal with those in a reasonable manner um, without totally sabotaging your craft um, is, is pretty tough, but that's not one of those where somebody else just makes an awful decision and sends it down your way. It's that somebody has probably a really good idea and valid reasoning behind it. It's just that it needs to be done really quickly, you know? Um, so you just got to figure out how to do that. And hopefully like, you know, like I said, every line of code that we write, every decision that we make should ultimately make us faster, build forward momentum, um, with what we're doing as a team, as an engineering team. So, if we're taking that approach, hopefully we get better and better at dealing with those things over time. Hopefully. <laughs> so take me through the your responsibilities a little bit because you're not actually creating any medical technologies. You're supporting right. the, the structure that allows that to move through. So can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, our responsibilities, I mean... It, Basically, our goal as an engineering team is to create a database that's really easy to populate. I mean, really, like if you just boil it all the way down, um, is to create a database that is that the relationships between the data are discernible, right, and meaningful. Um, so what that means is I need to make it to where a medical startup that wants to register on our system and raise some money can do that easily. Um, my part of it is the technical part of it. My team's part of it is the technical part of it. Um, you know, user experiences, you know, part of that is to make sure that it's a reasonable user experience, frictionless, hopefully. Um, you know, uh, I have to make sure that um, a medical professional or an investor can get onto the system, find the things that they are most interested in, um, serve up that information in a, in a way that's meaningful and actionable, right? Um, beyond that, another big part of our platform is to create um, community and allow, you know, facilitate communication. So, um uh, a, a big part of our inspiration is from LinkedIn, right? So giving people the ability to post statuses and photos and links and communicate with folks and hashtags and all that kind of good stuff and being able to subscribe to these various things and get this information in a feed. Um, so making sure that we can facilitate those interactions in a, in a, in a meaningful, you know, and reasonable way. Um, and that's really my whole job. Um, we, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started here, you know, like 
what AngelMD does as a business, like our purpose, is definitely interesting. I wouldn't be here if it weren't interesting. But all those technical challenges that I just listed were really kind of the drivers for my interest in my position in this company, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there obviously, I wouldn't want to go to work for a company that I didn't understand or agree with what their purpose was as a business. Um, but as long as that's aligned, really the technical challenges are going to be the drivers for me. That was something that even as a cynical 25, 30 year old engineer, when I worked at Medtronic is that they really believed in that. And mm -hmm. I thought it was just kind of lip service from, you know, we all got a medallion when we started mm -hmm. and it had the, uh, uh, the rising man kind of a take on Da Vinci's man, but sure. it was like, we're helping people get off the table here. Right. And I didn't believe it at first, but when I went to galactic headquarters in Minneapolis and they were talking about that mm -hmm. and they were saying, you know, everybody echoed that and it was patients, employees, and then shareholders. Right. And that was important to me and it, it mattered and it mm -hmm. made a difference when I was doing what I was doing. It's like, okay, there, there's a, a why behind this. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's sort of the it's the the Silicon Valley. We're going to change the world by you know type of uh, of thing, um, but uh, certainly a lot of what we're doing and what we're pushing toward um, could be very very meaningful to medical innovation. Um, hopefully, very very quickly. Well, if anything comes through and it saves one life, you've done your job. Right. Yeah. And there's... Then it's uh, all worth it. Yeah. And the other thing that's... Uh, it's kind of a, an interesting side effect that I didn't necessarily expect for myself um, is, you know, we see a lot of the startups as they register, like just kind of get a quick overview and especially... Um, Kelly, our user experience guy, is kind of always auditing the site and looking at things as they come through. And he'll kind of every now and again pipe up with something that's kind of interesting. Um, but checking out all of the interesting ideas that come through. Um, there's a company here in the in the building, Heart Hero, that they have a new... They built a much better mousetrap for uh, the defibrillator. Hmm. Um, the AED. I have a hard time with that word. Um Super cool, connected, um, like the impacts of that device over time are potentially gigantic. I mean, I think saving one life would, would, is amazing. But I think for them, I mean, you're talking about many, 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 sure. many, many, um, because it democratizes sort of that ability to save lives. Um, and, enhances that ability with the data that it collects and communicates to medical professionals. Um, super, super interesting. Um, and th that's one story of, you know, however, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of startups on the, on the platform that um, are all, you know, all kind of have a unique take on what they're doing. It's super, super cool stuff. I remember when those came into um, existence and I was on the safety team at my company and they, mm -hmm. they talked about the AEDs. It was like, do not do CPR. Yeah. And it was mind boggling. It was like, you mean, and I understood the technology and what sure. it did, but I was like, 
the the seismic shift mentally that okay we don't have to do chest compressions that you just do this aed like mm-hmm. that's you know that's amazing it's just yeah really really cool yeah yeah and it's um i don't know it's amazing it's an amazing device just plain and simple yeah or thinking about and fortunately like car accidents right if somebody could have their their wearable and then the car transmits how bad it is and all that stuff so that the emt show up better prepared mm-hmm. you know i know that covers a whole lot of privacy and regulatory and all that stuff <laughs> i'm not here to solve those that are, problem those but. are all the big those are all the big challenges for sure yeah. yeah um has there been any and not really to call them out i guess but has have there been any submissions to the site that are just like too far too much or like or or that you know after some explaining you finally got it but like upon first blush we're like what is this <laughs> i won't say specific there have definitely been some that have come through that you're like you kind of do a double take at them like because of logos or oh. um taglines occasionally i mean they're they're meant to catch your eye right um but some of them are pretty close to not safe for work <laughs> 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 um, I mean, cause you're dealing, you know, you're dealing with medical things that are sure. somewhat private. So yeah, there, there have been a couple that have come through where you just like, wait, hold on a second. Is this real? And then, yeah, it's real. And it's solving a real problem and it's, and it, they're solving it in a real way, but you kind of, you gotta, whoa, Hey, that wasn't what I was expecting to see at work today. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what's, what's your why we talked about that? Like, you know, why are you coming in here? What's, what's so Mm. important to you here that gets you out of bed coming in? Um, you know, I alluded to technical challenges, the things that, that we're trying to address. Um, the, I'm such a nerd like that will get me out of bed in the middle of the night you know, to, to do those things, um, to just always be learning and trying to, you know, the creative problem solving of things. Um, you know, even with that, not second to that by any stretch is, you know, the team that I work with, um, not just the development team, not just the product team, but everybody involved with this whole thing is extremely sharp. Um, everybody's making everybody sharper every day. Um, and that is very, very valuable. Um, I've, it even says, I think in my LinkedIn profile, like my goal is to do cool things with cool people, um, as a career, like that's what I want to do. And I feel like if I can, if I can accomplish that goal, I'll never work a day in my life. Um, and most definitely that is what I'm doing here. So yeah, that'll get me out of bed every morning. I'll pop right up. That's really cool. Yeah. I like specific goals for specific things, but sort of the broader things like cool things with cool people. Mm -hmm. I think it turns on an awareness and turns on the radar that at least for me as maybe more um, like visual imaginative person, like it kind of sets those things in motion. It kind of like turns out on like, oh, that's... Yeah, start connecting, you know, invisible mm-hmm. dots that start appearing in, in sharper focus. And yeah, I think that's a great way to frame it. Yeah. You know, 
do cool things with cool people, make it excellent, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, it's going to have your name on it in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be haunted by a, a crappy knob <laughs> <laughs> interrupt 15 a, years later. Such a knob. <laughs> My apologies to that team. I, mm. I couldn't get that right. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. So uh, like, where do you see the company in, because you're a startup. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Where, what would you like to see in you know, three to five years for what's going on here? Oh, man. Um so many aspects to that um i would like to the broadest way i can put it and this is obviously biased to my domain is i would like to see us be the authority when it comes to using the data that we have for good and that can mean a lot of things. Um, being a software company for all intents and purposes, um, although we're a finance company too, um, I would argue that we're, again, biased, that we're a software company. Um, intrinsic to that is data management um, and putting that data to work um, in a meaningful way that ultimately, you know, has, provides better outcomes, you know, to borrow a, medical phrase. Um, I think that's what I would like to see us be in three to five years. And there's a lot that goes with that in terms of team and, um, you know, financial success and all those kinds of things. But I think that's really what I want, like as a, as a organization. That's a powerful value statement right there. You know, using the data for good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so much potential for good. So much potential. Um, so much potential energy and value in data. Um, if you got the right data, you got enough of it, and you're putting it to work in the right ways. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I've, uh, thanks for the time. Yeah, thank yeah. you. This has been really fun for me. Yeah. Tyler, thank you for being here. And Thanks for joining. John, uh, what's your son's name? Titan. Titan, listen to your father. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me on this one. Yeah. He's right. Well, Better if you figure it out at 14 than at like 35 like I did. <laughs> Oddly enough, that's when I figured it out too. <laughs> so uh, what's the best way for people to get um, exposure to AngelMD? I'll post all the links and all that stuff. Yeah, where, sure. Like so, I mean, main site is angelmd.co. Not com, but co. Um, a lot of the stuff that I talked about from a DevOps perspective, we actually have on our engineering blog, which is just engineering.angelmd.co. Um, and then, you know, sort of usual social type things, LinkedIn and Facebook and the Twitters and all that kind of good stuff. But that's all available on the website as well. Cool. Yeah. John Cox, AngelMD. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This is great. Thank you.